While he does that, I'm just going to do a little um, uh, review of the last few weeks. Let's look again at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. You probably have this marked in your Bible by now because we've come back to it several times over the last few weeks. I'm going to read it from the Amplified this time. Let us, therefore, be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter that rest of God, to know and experience it for ourselves, that no one may fall or perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience into which those in the wilderness fell. This whole chapter talks about the promise of rest. We've been teaching about entering that place of rest, that place of knowing God's will, knowing his completed work, and simply believing that the work's done. That's our part. When it talks in the scripture about unbelief and disobedience, that's what the disobedience was. God defines our work, and it's simply to believe that his work is done. So that's where we enter into the rest. And, but the interesting thing about the scripture is it says to enter the rest, but it says that we need to strive to do it and to be diligent and zealous to enter into that rest. So over the last three weeks, we have taught three major components to help you to enter into that place of rest. Now, I know I have lived through unrest, <laughs> and rest is way better. We've lived through striving and, and uh, fear and lack of peace, and rest is better. So the three components that we've taught on, and if you haven't been here, these are all, well, two of the three are online, and the third one we can get notes for if you want it. The first one was immersing yourself in the love of the Father, coming to know the love of the Father. The Scripture says that when we know the love of the Father, it casts out fear. That's the opposite of rest, fear. Unrest is the opposite of rest. But his love casts that out. His love, we desperately need his love. Last night, um, I was at another healing meeting that Pastor Tim McCarthy leads in Rochester Hills. And he made this statement, and I'm just going to repeat it because it was a good one. He said, Cindy, this is a healing class. I know it's a healing class. But there's something that's more important than teaching about healing. And that's about teaching about the love of the Father. He said it's core, it's the central, it's the biggest deal. It's the most important thing. So Fran taught a couple weeks ago about how to meditate on what God says about his love for us. And as we do, it becomes, that truth becomes part of us. As we commune with him as we have that alone time with God we come to know his love we come to experience his love for ourselves as prayers are answered as we as we are in situations where I call them God incidences and we see God all over something or someone or an uh, a, a divine intervention or a divine delay or something and we see God in it and that's a picture, a snapshot of his love for us. Just like when I love my kids, I do things for them. I love them. I want to help them. When you start centering your, your focus and paying attention, you recognize that, that that's exactly what God does for us. 
So the first component is knowing the love of the Father. The second component Tom taught last week, and that is renewing your mind with his word. Renewing your mind. It is core. We can change. We have a choice. We can change what we think. And as we make a choice about what we think and what we choose to meditate on, what we choose to pay attention to, it can make all the difference in the world in how we walk through the situation with, uh, with blessing and with, with just God's best. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and, de- and destroy. But when we meditate on God's word and when we stay focused on what God has done for us, then we move right into that purpose of God, which is to have that abundance of life that he came to give us. The third component that I'm going to be teaching on tonight is celebrating God's goodness. Celebrating God's goodness. Knowing that God is good is the bedrock for believing, the bedrock for your faith, the groundwork. Knowing that God is good is the foundation of faith. And our part is faith. Our part is believing. I have a teaching out on our website that's called The Goodness of God. And I'm not teaching all about that tonight. So I recommend that, and I have biblical truths, scriptures, evidence based on Jesus and his, his time on the earth that show that he's good, that he's always good, that he's a loving God, that he's a good God. If that's new to you, if you think that God is a judgmental God or God is a God of punishment, you want to go listen to that teaching. Today what I'm going to share about is how we celebrate that goodness and purpose, on purpose, to do it on purpose, to celebrate his goodness. And as we do, it's another component that leads us into a position of rest in the middle of whatever it is that we're living through. And we need it every day. No matter what we're living through, no matter how high, how low, how good, how bad, we always want to be in that position of resting in peace, knowing that we're in that that place with God of just simply believing. So I've got three or four major points I'm going to make today. And the first one on your sheet says, acknowledge him. We're talking about celebrating the goodness of God. And the first key is to simply acknowledge him acknowledge god acknowledge what he's doing in your life it is so important to feed yourself on what god has done or is doing rather than what it seems like he might not be doing if you're in the middle of a a battle and you haven't seen the result you might be feeding on what god hasn't done and say why haven't my prayers been answered you might be focusing on that meditating on that What I'm saying today is to make a switch. And instead of meditating on what God isn't, let me repeat that, what it appears that God isn't doing, because he is working, I guarantee you, if you're seeking him, he is working. But your focus, if you can switch it to what he is doing, what you have seen him do, or what he's done in the past, or even what you've seen him do in others' lives, or even what you know that Jesus did when he walked on this earth, as you focus on that, the, the, the concept of God's goodness gets deeper and deeper within you. Proverbs 3, verse 6. Let's turn there in our Bibles. This is a really common scripture, but let's look at it anyway. Proverbs 3, 6 is going to be one of our core scriptures for this, this teaching. In all your ways, 
in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. There's so much in the scripture. The first half before the comma says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. The word acknowledge is the word, the Hebrew word yada. And that word has a very deep meaning. It means to know him. It means to know him through experience. It means to discern him. To recognize him. To consider him. To agree with him. And then the last one is to admit or acknowledge what he's done. This word is used a lot in scripture in different contexts. And it, it, it usually means that depth of knowing through experience. It's not just a, 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 a very simple knowing. It's a deep knowing. Knowing him, discerning. But in order to do that, we have to pay attention. We have to keep our eyes open and look for what God's doing in our lives. The scripture says that we are to acknowledge him. We're to pay attention and acknowledge him in all our ways. So whatever you're doing, whether you're at the grocery store or here at church or at home, pay attention, acknowledge him. And then there's a comma. And then there's another part of the scripture. There's a promise that goes with the acknowledging. The second half of the scripture says, and he shall direct your paths. This is good news. And he shall, it doesn't say he may or he might or he won't or if you're lucky. It says he shall direct your paths. And that word direct is a big word. That word direct means to make straight, to make smooth, to make right, or to make plain. So this scripture is saying when we acknowledge what God's doing in our lives, he will make the path in front of us plain and smooth and straight. I like that. I don't know about you, but when I'm making a trip, I want the straightest, quickest way to get there. I don't like detours that take me a long way out of the way. We can go that way. We still get there. But God says when you acknowledge him that you go straight there. There's no detours. It's straight and plain. We need that. When you're in the middle of any journey, any day of life, any season of life, we want that direction from God. And the scripture says when we acknowledge him, he gives it to us. I'd like to go to Philemon in the back, in the back of your Bible. It's a one-chapter book right before Hebrews. Verse 6. And this is what it says. Paul is praying in in this scripture. And he's praying that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. He's praying that the sharing of our faith may be effective. I'm going to start right there. The sharing of our faith might be effective. So 
in this place that we're in, we are learning God's truth. And then we are declaring our faith in his truth. We're sharing or speaking, declaring our faith, our conviction of faith, our trust in his truth, the truth of his word. This scripture says that the sharing of our faith will become effective. That word effective is the same root word that our English word energy comes from. The word is E-N-E-R-G-E-S. And it means active. Our faith will become active. Our faith will become operative. Our faith will become energizing. I like this. It's alive. Our faith is alive. And then there's the second half of the scripture. By the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you through Christ Jesus. Our faith is energized as we acknowledge him. Our part is faith. God's part is done. The work of healing, the work of salvation, the work of redemption, the work of forgiveness, it's done, it's completed through Jesus. Our part is to believe. Our faith is energized by acknowledging every good work that he does in us. It's a big deal. We're talking about celebrating his goodness right now. Let's look at a couple of psalms. The first one is Psalm 35. Psalm 35. Verse 28. And my tongue shall talk of your righteousness, rightness, and justice, and of my reasons for your praise all the day long. I love to read the Psalms when I'm praising or when I'm celebrating God's goodness. There are so many, so many scriptures that praise God in the book of Psalms. But the scripture at the beginning, it says, I will, I will talk of your goodness, God. I will declare your goodness. I will, my tongue, it's, praise is a vocal thing. It's a vocal expression. It's not sitting quietly. Praise is a vocal expression. It doesn't have to be loud. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. But it is a vocal expression. And it says in the scripture that my tongue, my mouth shall talk about you, God. Your goodness, your righteousness, your rightness, your justice. And my reasons for praising you. What I've seen in my life, what I've seen in your lives. We're going to be praising today in what I see in some of your lives today. So I've... I've Put four simple action steps here to acknowledge God. The first one is to pay attention and acknowledge Him. But in order to acknowledge Him, we need to pay attention. We need to keep our eyes open. Acknowledge Him in every good thing. That's what Psalms, or Proverbs 3, 6 says. How do we do that? Many ways. One is to journal. You don't need to be a good writer to journal. It can just be a list. It can just be a bulleted list. Just jotted things down. But jot them down. Pay attention to what God is doing. And when you write them down, it just seals it a little deeper. Number three, share your testimonies. You don't have to wait till you have the final result to share. But share. Share what God's doing in your life. And the last one in this um, action steps 
and this is a big one, in times of spiritual attack, reflect on what God has already done for you. I can't tell you how many times I've been on the phone with somebody who's going through a trial, and this is what I say. Look at what God's done for you. Look at the amazing work that he's done already. He's not done. I love the scripture in Philippians. It's chapter 1, verse 6. And it says, Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it through to completion. So I, I share this with them. I say, pay attention to what God's already done. And know that he's not done. He's going to bring everything to completion. He's already done it in the spiritual realm. You're learning you're receiving, you're renewing your mind, and it will be manifest in the natural realm, in, in whatever it is that you need. When we, when we position ourselves to believe. The first book that I wrote, the testimonial book, this is what it was based on. And I didn't have anybody tell me those action steps. But that's what, that's what just happened. As I came to know Jesus for the very first time, I didn't know Jesus before I was diagnosed with cancer. So it was all new to me. And he was just wowing me and overwhelming me day after day and event after event. And as he did, I would jot those things down in my journal. That became the foundation of my first book. I went back, you know, two years later when I wrote that book, and it came from that journal of acknowledging God. And now it is ministering to people all over the place. And it's number four for so many people. When they're in a place of spiritual attack, they're reflecting. That book is a reflection of God's goodness. And then you can do the same thing. You can take your testimony and share it and share it and share it. And that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to share a little bit of Tom's. Tom, raise your hand so everybody can see who you are. This is your third or fourth meeting? Third. Third, okay. So he's a newbie. He's just learning all sorts of great things about our Jesus and about, he already knew Jesus, but about Jesus being the healer, the, the truth about how much God loves him and takes care of him. Well, I, the first time I saw Tom, he, was, he had come with a diagnosis. His sister brought him, and we talked, and we you know, just shared with him a little bit. Last week he came already with good reports today he came glowing so i have to tell you some of his good reports the first time he was here can i share what your diagnosis was the doctor diagnosis okay it is and it's to the glory of god so the diagnosis that tom um, has has um been told by the doctors is a diagnosis of lymphoma which happens to be the same um, diagnosis that Kathy had, that she is overcome like crazy. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And, um, and the first day that he was here, I had a word of knowledge late, later in the, the meeting about uh, pain in the back, at the back area. Well, he was having a lot of pain in that area of his back. We laid hands on him and prayed, and the pain left. Amen. Yay. Yay. That's an indication. I mean, we don't have to have a sign, but they're always nice. And that was just one of those little God, I call them um, uh, uh, grace slits. God has so much grace. We've talked about the immensity of his grace. But it was like a grace slit, just blessing Tom as that pain left immediately. And then he said that, uh, I should have wrote these all down because you've told me so many things. 
that same thing, time to first, oh, blood pressure. So he has had elevated blood pressure, has been kind of his, I don't want to say normal, but that was, had been consistent in his history. So he went to the doctor for all these tests. His blood pressure is completely normal. <laughs> completely normal. Praise God. And he was like, wow. And he even had the doctor retake it. You better do that one again. And he's had it numerous times. It wasn't just a one-time thing. He's numerous times had his blood pressure taken. His blood pressure is now normal. And yeah, praise God. It is a God incident, a major God incident. So Tom said just so for the, for the video thing, he just said that um, he went in for two major tests, uh, um, bone marrow tests, and what was the other one? A scan, and both times you would think that with the the stress or the the you know that goes along with those tests, but the opposite happened. His blood pressures come down and come down and come down, and his history was not of that, was not like that. It is now though. And then um, this week he went and he had um, some he had a consultation. He had some more tests done. He had the results of the the test, the bone marrow, the CAT scan, all that. And he went into the oncologist today. And the first thing he said, he's glowing when he walks in. He said. They're confused. <laughs> we love it when doctors are confused. So the, the bone marrow was clean for lymphoma cells or whatever. That cell is not there. And then there's another littler cell of some sort, and it's... They're still disputing that. And that one is like... 5%, which is a very small percentage. Now, this is all medical documentation. God's word says, by the stripes of Jesus, he was healed. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Tom also has, has he just glows. And I mean, literally, literally, this is three weeks. He got a diagnosis. We've been there. Many of us have been there. And it, it, to be in the position he's in with peace, with joy, with lots of pieces of good reports, and he's acknowledged them every step of the way. In all your ways, acknowledge God, and he will direct your paths. We see that not just in time. We see that in people all over the place. But I wanted to share an example of what that looks like in real life. That's what it looks like. Isn't it awesome? Okay, I'm going to, we're going to read one more scripture before we move to the next major point. This is Psalm chapter 9. So go ahead and turn there with me. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Verse 1 and 2. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth, recount, and tell aloud all your marvelous works and wonderful deeds. Once again, we're talking about acknowledging what God has done. The first part of the scripture says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will praise you. I will praise you. And I will recount your marvelous deeds. Those two go hand in hand. When we recount our marvelous deeds, we are praising him. Praise is so very Powerful. We're going to talk about that as we go today. The next big idea I want to share with you, the title in your, in your, on your paper says, we need to make a choice to offer God your sacrifice of praise completely. 
That scripture we just read says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. Well, what if you don't feel like it? What if you're not happy like Tom? What if you haven't gotten those two or three good reports in a week? And your reports haven't looked so hot. The scripture says, God says, and this isn't the only place that says it. God says, make the choice to praise me. Make the choice to offer your sacrifice of praise. Let's look at one of these scriptures in the Bible. This is Hebrews 13, 15. Hebrews 13, 15. And this is what it says. Through him, and it's referring to Jesus. Through Jesus, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. I'm going to break this into a couple of parts. The first thing I want to look at is the second half of the scripture. It says that we are to continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. And then it paints a picture of what that looks like. The sacrifice of praise, it says that we thankfully acknowledge him. So again, it has that word acknowledge in there. It says that we, it's the fruit of our lips, so it's spoken out of our mouths. And we thankfully acknowledge God. And it says we confess and glorify his name. The word confess means to agree with God. So we agree with God. We agree with his promises. We agree with his, what the word tells us about who he is, about his goodness, about his love, about his grace, about his, his desire for us, to prosper us, not to harm us. We agree with God. We glorify his name. So there's all sorts of, uh, of, of explanations about what that looks like. Thanksgiving, acknowledgement, praising him, glorifying him, confessing, gr- agreeing with him. But I want to back up to the first half of the scripture and settle here for a sec. It says that we are to continually and at all times offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Continually, at all times. The word sacrifice, the word sacrifice means that it costs something. A sacrifice costs something. When you're offering God a sacrifice of praise, it costs something out of you to give it to him. It may cost your comfort. You might not be comfortable doing it. It might be out of your comfort zone or it might be because your body is not just feeling well. And for you to make the choice to praise, it costs you your comfort. It costs you your time. Time's a precious commodity. It costs you time. It costs you focus. A sacrifice involves giving God your best no matter what the circumstances. This thing called a sacrifice of praise is an act of your will. It's your choice. We should not allow our emotions to dictate our decision to praise. In other words, we shouldn't wait until we're in the mood or until we have something like an amazing report and then say, okay, God, now I praise you. God says to offer the sacrifice of praise continually. 
even before, before, during, after the battle. Praising through the battle requires faith. Because what we're doing when we're praising God is we're acknowledging his goodness and his faithfulness. And we're acknowledging that that goodness, his goodness, his faithfulness is more real than the problem. It's bigger than the problem. So our faith rises up. Because you can't praise him without being in faith. As you praise him, as you acknowledge his goodness, as you acknowledge his promises, as you speak them out loud and praise him for it, even before you've seen the result, you are showing your trust Your confidence in Him is bigger than the problem, than the fact. The truth is bigger than the fact. The truth of God's Word supersedes whatever it is that you're going through. And the last point is a big one. Praise Him for what His Word says He's done, not what you see or feel. Praise Him for what His Word says He's done. Put aside what you see and feel and say, I praise you, Father, just like I did with Tom a minute ago. I praise you, Father, that by the stripes of Jesus, Tom was healed. It's done completely. Completely. The doctors may be confused. God, you're not confused. You have it all done. It's a done deal. We believe it. Praise him for what the word says he's done. Jesus paid the price in full for our shalom, for our peace. Mm, I praise you, God. I praise you that you chose to pay that price for me. I was worth it to you. I want you all to say that. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you paid the price for me to have peace, which includes healing and wholeness and comfort and provision. Nothing missing and nothing broken. I was worth it to you. I was worth the price that you paid. I think sometimes we don't think we are worth it. He wouldn't have paid the price if we weren't worth it. He loves us so much. Would you turn with me to Psalm 43, talking about offering God the sacrifice of praise. That means that you're making the choice to praise. You're choosing to praise through whatever it is that you're going through. Psalm 43, actually Psalm 42 and 43, are both psalms of a, of a deep lament, of a deep soul uh, Mourning. I mean, if you read the whole two chapters, it's we've probably a lot of us have been in this kind of a situation where you're just crying out to God and you haven't seen the result and you're just burdened and heavily oppressed and you just feel a weight on you. But in this psalm, in Psalm 42 and in Psalm 43, the same verse is repeated three times. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read the third time that it's repeated. You can read it through. It's in here three times. But I'm going to read it out of Psalm 43, verse 5. And this is what it says. 
Why are you cast down, O my inner self? And that word inner self can also be translated soul. So why are you cast down, O my soul? And why should you moan over me and be disquieted within me? I'm going to stop for just a sec. So this psalmist is is saying, he's acknowledging my soul is burdened. My soul is moaning. Why? We've all been there. Why? I know you, God. Why is my soul feeling this? Why am I feeling this way? And then the psalmist starts to speak to himself. He starts to meditate. And this is what he says. Hope in God and wait expectantly for him. For I shall yet praise him who is the help of my sad countenance and my God. So there's a switch. He moves from this place of mourning and oppression and he makes this choice to offer the sacrifice of praise. And he says, okay, God, I choose to hope in you. I choose to be in this position of expectation, even though I haven't seen the result yet. And then it goes on and it says, for I shall yet praise you. I make the choice to praise you anyway. I shall yet praise him who is the help of my sad countenance. And my God, this psalmist knows that praise helps his countenance. Praise lifts you up out of that pit in a major, powerful way. God says to offer a sacrifice of praise. The next scripture I'm going to read is one that I've read many times, but I'm going to read it from the Message Bible today. It's Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. The beginning of this psalm talks again about making a choice to praise. It starts out by saying, O my soul, bless God. From head to toe, I'll bless his holy name. O my soul, bless God. And don't forget a single blessing. So this psalmist is saying, Soul? Bless God. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So we can do that. We can say, soul, I'm going to bless God. You you might as well come along for the ride. I'm choosing to bless God. From head to toe, I'm going to give, I'm going to offer my life to you, God, right now as a living sacrifice. And I'm going to praise you. I'm going to bless you. That's what bless means. I'm going to acknowledge the goodness of God. I'm going to bless him. And then it starts to list the benefits. It says, don't forget a single blessing. He's acknowledging the goodness of God. And as we pray or praise with a psalm, that's what we're doing. We're acknowledging the blessings of God. He forgives your sins, everyone. He heals your diseases, everyone. He redeems you from hell. He saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, beauty eternal. He renews your youth. You're always young in his presence. Isn't that good news? When you read it, when you praise God as you read it and meditate on it, your soul is uplifted. can't help but be uplifted. It's like you're in the middle of whatever you're in, and God is telling you, every time, baby girl, every time you mess up, I forgive. Actually, it's past tense. Every time you deal with anything, you're healed in your body or your soul or your finances or whatever it is you need healed. And this was Old Testament. The New Testament has already been completed. 
And it goes on and on and on. So I have a question on your sheets. What does your soul have to do with praising God? Because it starts out, it says, Oh, my soul, bless God. From head to toe, I'll bless his holy name. Oh, my soul, bless God. What does our soul have to do with us? It's our choice. Our soul is the chooser. Our soul is the part of our being that makes the choices. But there's a little issue with our soul. It's also the part of our body or our our being that has emotions. (laughs) So we need to use the part of our soul that says, I'm going to choose to praise even if I don't feel like it. It's also our intellect, our mind. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Why should I praise God in the middle of this? Or our brain or our intellect is busy reasoning out other stuff. God says, stop it. Put those emotions aside. Put that reasoning aside. And bless God. Make the choice to bless God. And then the benefits that we're not to forget, just start shouting them out from the Scripture. What are the benefits? Forgiveness. Salvation. Healing. Healed. Past tense. Wholeness. What, Debbie? Youthfulness. Ooh, I like that one. I like them all. Yeah. And I love the one where it says he crowns us. He crowns us and beautifies us. Beauty eternal. He wraps you in goodness. He crowns you with love and mercy. He crowns you with love and with mercy. A paradise crown. Mm, It's beautiful. As we worship him like this, as we make the choice to praise him, you will see the rest. You will, you will enter that place of rest. You will be ushered into that place of rest and trusting God and believing in his finished work. It'll, it'll become uh, uh, not an intellectual thing or not a works thing or not a, I have to do this, this, and this to get there. It'll just happen. As you praise Him, as you worship Him. Mm-hmm. I want to share a couple of. I want to share one testimony right now. I have a couple that I wanted to share, but I want to share this one right now. Um, we have a woman that we've been ministering to, a beautiful woman that we, that those of us on the team know her really well, and. She's just very special to us. And she's been in the middle of a pretty big fight right now. And we've all been talking with her and praying with her. And about two weeks ago, Fran was praying with her, and she got a very strong um, spiritual guiding to tell this woman, take this week and praise God. Make the choice to praise Him, no matter what you feel like, because she didn't feel like it. She was not feeling well at all. Make the choice to praise Stop everything. Praise. Praise Him continuously. Praise Him at all times. Praise Him. And she came back the next week with a whole different countenance. Physically, she felt so much better. In her soul, in her inner person, she was so much stronger. The only thing different was that she made the choice to praise. She 
chose to praise. She entered into that rest. It's a powerful, powerful tool that we have that God has given us. One more scripture and then we're going to move on to the next major point. So let's turn to Psalm 63. Psalm 63. This is another psalm of praise. The whole psalm. I love the whole psalm, but I'm just going to read a few verses, starting with verse 3. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Oh, God gives us his precious gift of praise. Praise you. My lips will praise you. My lips will praise you. I will bless you. I will lift up my hands. If you're new to the whatever you want to call it, where we are kind of abandoned to God in praise, and it makes you a little uncomfortable, that's okay. Just do what you're comfortable with. But when you see people raise raise their hands, it's scriptural. There are many places in the Bible where it talks about raising your hands. I will lift up my hands in your name. I see it as a sign of surrender. I want to be surrendered to God and dependent on him all the time, every day, all day. It's a sign of surrender. I think of my, my grandchildren who crawl up to, well, one of them walks, but the other one crawls up and stands up and lifts their little hands up and wants you to pick them up. They just love to be loved. God wants us to love, to be in his arms, to love to be loved by him, to surrender to him and to let him take care of us. One of my favorite scriptures is in Deuteronomy chapter 1, and I don't know what verse it is, but it says, remember, Cindy, how your father carried you, the way a father carries his child. And it's, I, I meditate on this scripture when I, I remember what God did for me when he healed me 13 years ago and that he is still taking care of me. And he will continue to take care of me. He will continue to go ahead of me on my journey. But in the middle of that scripture, it says, remember how he carried you the way a father carries his child. So when we raise our hands to God, that's what we're doing. We're being that child and just receiving his love. My soul shall be satisfied. My soul shall be satisfied as I praise him. Make the choice to praise him. Make the choice to offer him a sacrifice of praise. The next piece I'd like to just address a little bit is worship. Worship. Praise and worship. Got a few little definitions to help. I don't want to, like, separate them and say, this is praise and this is worship, because they really meld together. But I'm just going to share a few points that might help you to understand a little bit more. Praise is singing about God and worship is singing to God, although they go back and forth and meld together. But in general, praise is speaking about him. We've been doing that a lot tonight. As we read the Psalms, we're, we're reading about him. But worship is speaking to him about his goodness. The next the next point is that we make the choice or we will to praise. 
but we don't will to worship. We don't choose to worship. Worship just happens. Praise leads you into that place of worship. Praise leads you into that place of intimacy with the king. There's a a quote that I remember from LBI that said, The height of your praise determines the depth of your worship. As you make the choice to offer God a sacrifice of praise, you are ushered into his presence, this place of intimacy. I remember a friend um, years ago who visited Life Christian. She was coming here for a while, and she wanted her husband to come, and he wasn't so sure. And he did. He came. He visited. And he was, he was I mean, he was out of his comfort zone um, because it's a very um, free, worshiping kind of church. And, um, and my friend told her husband, and I love her description, she said, you know what? They just really love God, and they're not afraid to show it. <laughs> I thought that was a really good description. I want God to know I love him. I want to be able to freely praise him and freely worship him. Worship is you shut away with God, even in a public place. I love to go to um, concerts with um, praise bands or worship teams or, or you know, famous uh, Christian artists. I love to go to those. There might be thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And yet, you enter into that place of intimacy with God. Even though there's thousands of people, it's just you and God. He is hearing your voice love on him, and he's loving on you. Last week, Tom taught from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, about the renewing of the mind. And I want to go back to that verse 1 again, Romans 12, 1, because it, it, it ties together the transformation of renewing of our mind with worship. Let me read this. This is from the New Living Bible. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. God says, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. I already mentioned that. When we praise Him, that's what we're doing. We're just moving aside the busyness of life, moving aside the other stuff that's going on and saying, God, I choose to worship you. And when you do that, you're offering Him yourself as a living sacrifice. And it says in the Scripture that that's acceptable to Him. That's an acceptable kind of worship. That's the kind He will find acceptable. In some translations, it says service. This is the truly the way we serve him. That's how we serve God. That's how we minister to him is through worship. I'm going to read two different scriptures. There's a lot of them in the Bible, but because of time I just wanted to pick a couple of them. And I want to read two different scriptures that have the word worship in them. And I want you to see what's connected to the worship. This is the first one is Exodus chapter 23, verses 25 and 26. And the scripture says, Worship the Lord your God and 
His blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. (laughs) So the first line says, worship God. Worship the Lord your God. And then the question in your handout says, what promises are connected to our worship? There's a lot of them. What are some of those promises in there? He'll take away sickness from among you. What else? Full lifespan. What else? No miscarriage or barrenness. What else? There's one more. Our food and water will be blessed. This is an awesome scripture to declare. I worship you, Lord. I bless your holy name. Your promise is, and then whatever it is you need, my food and my water is blessed. I will live a full lifespan. I am healed. I will, you'll take away sickness from among us. None will be barren or miscarry. It's a beautiful promise. And why do you think, why do you think that it's connected to worship? Why do you think all of those, those amazing promises, God's promises are yes, and our response is amen, so be it, God. But why do you think they're connected to worship? When we're in that position of worship, we are in that place of His presence. We are in that place of, of, of coming to know Him more. And when we come to know Him more, that's the birthplace of faith. You can't trust somebody you don't know and love and know their love. The reason that I trust my husband is because I know His love for me and I trust Him completely. The same things with God. When you fall in love with God, when you worship, that's what happens. It's a very intimate, loving time with God. And that builds you in that place of trusting and believing for all that He has for us. Now, all of those things that are listed, that's all part of the new covenant of grace and more. Those are all parts of the extravagant grace that God has promised us. That God not promised. That God has uh, given to us through the redemption of Christ. But when we know Him, when we know His love, then it's it's we're positioned to receive because we believe and we trust. The next scripture I want to read is a very similar scripture. This is from the New Testament, Matthew chapter eight, verses one through three. When He had come down from the mountain. Great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So here's this person, this leper, and the first thing he does is he comes to Jesus and he worships him. And then the, the, rest, is, the rest plays out. In that place, He's, he's talking to Jesus. He's communing with Jesus. He says, if you're willing, heal me. And Jesus says, oh, yeah, I am. I am willing. Be healed. Be cleansed. And he was. All of that happened, and it was, it was started with worship. 
Okay, the next, the last final um, uh, thing that I want to talk about is that praise and worship bring victory and rest. We're talking about entering his rest. Praise and worship lead us there. They lead us into victory. There is power in praise. Praise is a very spiritual activity. And in this spiritual activity, we can do spiritual warfare against anything that's attacking you. There is victory. There is rest in praise and in worship. A couple of psalms, a couple of um, short scriptures, and then we're going to do an account from the Bible. So the first one is Psalm 18.3. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Oh, I love it. As we call on God, as we praise him, God says, you will be saved from your enemies. Like that one. Jeremiah 17, 14. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. It's almost like the, the end should be at the beginning. I praise you, God. You're my praise. And because of that, I'll be healed. I'll be saved. That's your will. I receive it. I praise you. I acknowledge that you're the giver of healing. I acknowledge that you are the Savior. You are the, the one who saves us. And I receive it. Praise and receiving God's precious gifts are closely, closely connected. And now I would like you to open in your Bibles to Second Chronicles. If you're in the book of Psalms right now, just go backwards in your Bible and you'll find it. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We're not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to read some of the verses. But I wanted to write the whole chapter on your handout because it's a great chapter to read the whole thing and just, just let it settle in you. In this chapter of Chronicles, there is a king named King Jehoshaphat, who's a good king. And in this account, there are three armies that are coming against him, and they're huge. The armies are, doesn't really matter, but Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. And I won't go into detail about the history, but it's very interesting. Anyway, these three armies are coming against Jehoshaphat, and they are huge. And Jehoshaphat is scared, and he knows that there's no way that he and his army can possibly conquer these three major, huge armies. So he brings everybody together. He declares who God is. He makes a declaration. That's part of his prayer. He declares the bigness of God. He declares the goodness of God. That's the first thing he does. Then the second thing he does later on in this chapter is he declares the word of God. He speaks the word that was promised many years ago. And then the third thing he does when he's in this prayer time is he presents his case to God. He presents the case of what's going on right now. Okay, God, this is the problem. And this is where we're going to pick up. Verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jahaziel, and then it describes who this prophet is, all of the genealogy. And I'm going to go over to verse 15 now. And the prophet Jahaziel, this is what he said. 
Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Okay, I'm going to stop there for just a sec. So, after his prayer, the prophet speaks. And the prophet is a, is a, 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 a man who hears the voice of God and, and relates it to the people. It was a good word. It was a good word. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. This isn't your battle. It's God's. Now put your own situation right now in this context. It's not your battle. It's God's. And then it says, he gives three, three directions, the prophet does. He says, stand still. Got to find where it says this. Um, position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. This is resting. Position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. It says you're not even going to have to fight the battle. Now look at what happens next. Verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Korathites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they heard the word of the prophet and then they worshiped and praised God. They worshiped and praised God. Now it goes on and it tells what happens the next day. Verse 20. So they rose early in the morning This is the day of the battle. And they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. So this is a good king. He does what Fran does. (laughs) He does what Tom does. He said, Believe God. Believe the word of prophecy over everything else. And be encouraged. It doesn't matter what you see. It doesn't matter what's coming. It doesn't matter how many people are in the battle. Believe God. Verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise... The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. So the battle plan, the battle plan, Jehoshaphat consulted, made the decision that the singers would go first. They led the troops into the battlefield. God had said, you're not going to have to fight this battle. It's not yours. It's mine. And he must have heard from God and said, okay, God, I trust you. 
We're just going to praise you. He sent the praisers first. And as a result, God could do his thing. He said, stand still, position yourselves, and see the salvation of the Lord. All three armies fought against each other and killed each other completely. Every one of them was dead. Every one of them. And this is my favorite line. It says, um, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. The word Judah, the name Judah, means praise. Those armies came against praise, and they were defeated. Oh, that's so good. They came against praise, and they were defeated. Many times when I'm praying for you guys, I pray the scripture. And I pray that whatever's in you, many times people come here with cancer. I pray that cancer consumes itself. That it's self-slaughtered, just like this. That we praise God and the enemy's defeated. Cancer's defeated. And it literally, it, it kills itself. It's a good way to pray. And praising God along the way. I want to, sh- oh, I got to read one more verse and then I have to share a quick testimony. Verse 30. I'm going to skip all the, the rest, but please read it on your own. It, what it shows the rest of this chapter is how blessed the people were. It wasn't just winning the battle. They also went and collected so many spoils, so many riches. It took them three days. And they came back and then they had this amazing praise and worship service. And then verse 30, then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God gave him rest all around. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to share a quick testimony and then we're going to close. This happened a few years ago. Kent and I are in another uh, ministry team, Pastor Tim. And there was a gentleman who, this is his story. He was at home. He was living by himself, a single man, um, And he had some grown kids, but he was living by himself. And he started to have very severe symptoms of a heart attack. He called his daughter right away. His daughter called 911 and had them send ambulances. The first thing he did was put on his CD player and started praising God. When the the EMS people came, they came in, they uh, checked him, took him to the hospital. They got him there. They did all the tests they do immediately. And the doctors said that he was in the process of a heart attack, but it was aborted. It was terminated. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. He was in the midst of that. He knew Pastor Tim had taught the power of praise. He put on that CD player and he started praising with all he was worth. The heart attack was aborted. His heart wasn't damaged. He was fine. There's power in praise. There's victory in praise. There's two more scripture references I'm not reading with you today because of time, but I wanted to put them on there. There's lots of scriptures about the power of praise, but these are two more accounts that are just as amazing as the one I just read. One is about the Battle of Jericho. Tom referred to this one last week with the shouting to the Lord. And the the second one is a New Testament account when Paul and Silas were freed from prison with an earthquake when they were praising God. They're both phenomenal accounts. Accounts of the power and the victory and the rest in praise. So here's your final action step. 
Make the choice to praise God. Make the choice to give God extended and focused praise and then enter into worship. You can read from the book of Psalms and praise God with Psalms. In my Bible, in my Psalms, you could look through my Bible and you'll see lots of stars and marks. Those are the ones that I go back to, those ones that have two, three, four stars. Those are the ones that I open my Bible and I just find the ones with stars and I just read them out loud and start praising God with them. You might praise to music. There's lots of ways to get Christian music for free. If you, if you don't have Christian music in your um, music collection, we can tell you how to get it free if you have an Internet connection. And even if you don't, we could probably get you some good music free if you need it free. So we can find, help you find good music. Radio. There's a couple of really good Christian radio stations that are in our area now, some really good new ones. So there's a lot of opportunities for you to get good music that you can praise God with. And then praise Him with freedom. You know, it's good to... to Practice praising at home if, you're not, if you've not praised God with the, you know, in a safe place where you don't feel like you're weird. And then when you're out at church or next week when you're here at our praise and worship um, service, it'll just, it'll, you, you forget who's around you. It doesn't matter who's around you. It's about you and God. There's a beautiful book called Audience of One, and that's who our audience is. It's him. <laughs>